0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, we're closing out the this year of 2020, this incredible year. Uh, we're closing it out the same way we started it off, with a, hearing from a fantastic, well-accomplished songwriter. We started with Charlie Midnight, and we're ending with Cliff Magnus. Now, Cliff is a Grammy-winning Oscar-nominated songwriter who's been around for since the early 80s. He starts out as a solo solo artist, but he becomes paired up with Glenn Ballard. You guys know Glenn. He's a big-time producer, songwriter as well. They pair up, and they start writing all these songs. They get placed in movies. Uh, other people start recording them. So he's written songs for people, everyone from like Cheap Trick to Barbra Streisand. He won a Grammy with Quincy Jones. And uh, as you guys know, I'm obsessed with 80s movies, and so he's written songs for soundtracks like The Last Starfighter and Hot Dog and uh, Two of a Kind and all these other great movies that are just so much fun. Well, in the last few years, well, last 30 years, I guess, he's only ever really put out two solo albums. There was one a couple of years ago called Lucky Dog, which is fantastic. And then there was one back in the 90s just called Solo. And the song on that album that has become one of my all-time favorite tracks is this one right here, Jenny's Still In Love. I absolutely love this song. And if you like 80s AOR, you know, just like it's never changed from 1987 hard rock sound, then you would love Cliff's solo material. Now, in Cliff's career, there are a couple of major pillars. He wrote All I Need, that Jack Wagner had a huge hit with, in the 80s you guys remember that song and then he also worked very closely with Avril Lavigne on her debut album and that was really interesting because I've always had kind of an idea of who I thought Avril was and talking with Cliff about it you learn there's a lot more going on there than I thought so anyway I hope you enjoy this conversation. He is so nice, and his music is so good. And he's going to tell the story of this song. We kick it off this way. I love the song, especially this part right here, when he says, "When uh, she's not in love with me. Listen to the way he sings this. He tells me all about it. Anyway, he called me from his home in Southern California.
1: If I could, I'd like to begin by dedicating this this hour to the first responders Ooh. for COVID and obviously the first responders for the, the absolutely horrific fires that are happening mm-hmm. across California and the
2: West. Yeah.
1: It's, I was just looking online. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented and I just feel badly for, for them, yeah. you know, the actual firefighters and then of course the families that lost their home. So yeah, yeah let's,
0: Let's do that. Send
1: one up for them. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Are you anywhere near fires? Because here in Colorado, we're having fires too. They're up in the mountains, but there's the skies are gray and dark. In fact, it snowed here yesterday, and it's still summertime. But anyway, what's what's but, your situation like?
1: Well, we're in Southern California, so it's it's smoky. I mean, yeah. it's just uh, yeah. When the sun goes down, at, um, you know, seven eight o'clock at night, it's just uh, it's just amber, and the mm-hmm. entire sky is amber. Mm-hmm. for, the, for yeah. the smoke so it's not burning here where, where we are but it, you know it's just mm-hmm. it's just the whole state smoke yeah. you can see some satellite photos are devastating you know from a year ago and now it's yeah. just, it, it, smoke is everywhere you can't get away from it
0: yeah yeah it's uh, crazy times we live in cliff <laughs> <It's>, uh, Yeah, <laughs> it
1: sure is, every day there
0: seems scary. to be a new thing right that's just piling yeah. on okay yeah. so let's talk about good stuff for a minute i gotta tell you okay. How this happened? So about a year ago, one of my listeners named Jason Pollock, who's a great singer songwriter in his own right, actually sent me some mix CDs and of songs that he thought I would like, based on people I'd had on the show and everything. And um, one and one of them, one of the CDs was called Stallone music, which I love because you <laughs> know exactly what that is. It's music that would have belonged in a Sly Stallone movie in the eighties or something like that. You know, Cobra, yeah. over the top, whatever. And um, on that CD <laughs> was "Jenny Still in Love," and okay, <laughs> I fell in love with this song. I didn't know it before, and mm-hmm. I love it. It's now like just up there as one of my favorite songs ever. And then it became one of those things where I started seeing Cliff Magnus's name. And it's a name that I had always seen but I, I hadn't stopped to think about it. But suddenly I'm seeing your name everywhere. I'm seeing it in the movies, the, the credits I'm watching in movies. I'm seeing it in the albums I'm listening to. It's all over. It's one of those things where like you buy a car and then suddenly you see that car everywhere you go because it's top of mind, you know. Yeah. So um, I thought I've got to get Cliff on here and see if he would talk to me because he's like ever present in my life right now. And so <laughs> first and foremost, I want to just you. I, I don't know if there's an interesting story about Jenny still in love, but I just want you to know how deeply I love that song. And my favorite thing in the world is on the last chorus. When you finally admit to yourself, she's not in love with me. that, and I can feel it. I feel it every time. And uh, <laughs> it's just so powerful. It's one of the greatest AOR rock songs I've ever heard. If there's an interesting <laughs> story behind it, please tell me. If not, that's fine. There's plenty of other things to talk about.
1: Well, um, to be honest, the we, we were, when I say we, uh, Glenn Ballard and I were, mm-hmm. were writing songs with Jay Graden at the time. Ah, and he we was were, just on here. He, yeah. Yeah, and we were we were just uh, I noticed him on your website. Yeah. It, it's just one of those things back in back then you had you know, songwriters who were were assigned to publishing companies and you wrote songs for whatever, whoever, whatever genre, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, if if it was on assignment, you know, if if Donna Summer needed a song or if Chaka Khan needed a song mm-hmm. Or journey, of course journey, wrote their own songs, but mm-hmm. cheap trick for even uh, for you know um, instance, mm-hmm. you wrote you know you wrote a song for them on spec. Obviously, you just wrote it because mm-hmm. you know you thought this is what they would like, mm-hmm. and you know there was no there were no guarantees on having the song covered, but you just wrote it. Mm-hmm. And being a singer and and a musician, I you know we we would write those songs in we cut them and they would be they would be a record unto themselves
2: mm, mm-hmm.
1: so jenny's still in love i have to say is mostly a glenn ballard lyric
2: mm, okay
1: mm. the brilliant brilliant writer that he is mm-hmm. and he knew how to turn that phrase at the end you know mm-hmm. uh, by saying she, she jenny's still in love she's not in love with me just not with me yeah I mean, this is the entire song. This guy's pleading to his friend to say, Hey dude, yeah, it ain't me that she wants. It's mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to, you know, have to slap you in the face, but that's the truth. So that's, that's basically it. And, you know, we recorded probably 10, 12 songs for other people, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Starship, for instance, yeah. or, you know, in that time, there were all those people to write songs for. And a good friend of, of ours or in mine named Magnus Soderkvist. Hmm. He's a a guy in Stockholm. He was working for Warner Chapel, Stockholm at the time. This is in the around 1990, 91. And he, he actually faxed me. This is back before the internet. He faxed me Mm -hmm. and he basically said, look, he said, Cliff, we, I I have 10 songs that you've penned with, with Jay. And, and you know people like that, mm-hmm. Glenn, of course. Why don't we cut a solo record on based on these demos?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know because because we made the demos, we wrote them and, and we recorded them to sound as close to a record as we could. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, not just a you know piano vocal like like they did in the '60s, but just you know really flush it out. And so that's how the album solo was made. And, okay. And that was the genus of mm. the solo. Record. It was All those songs are demos for other people. But yeah, I mean, solo being one of them, or and Jenny's in love. Mm-hmm. Kalela was one that we mm. wrote. And that was right in the same time that we were writing songs for Planet Three. Okay. Okay. We were actually signed to Capitol as a band. And, and the same thing. I mean, some of those songs were already with demos that we, we had written for other people, and David Berman, signed okay. scientist there. Steve Steve Barry was our ANR person, and Tom Wally. Mm. And, and Steve was just fantastic about uh, collaborating with us, you know, what, what would be good for the record. But, you know, s- several of those songs were already written before the Planet 3 record was, was written it. for and produced. I would love to to say that that Jenny Solon was actually about a girl
0: in Jenny, but <laughs> <laughs> It really that's yeah. all right. That's all right. The uh, the magic of that solo album, and for anyone who's not aware, it's an al- solo album of yours called Solo from nineteen ninety four. Mm-hmm. Is that it yeah. is this fantastic eighties AOR album, but it's completely out of step. By ninety four, people weren't making those kinds of albums anymore, but you did, and that's kind of the magic to me of this like it's like a hidden gem it's like a lost treasure or something like that you you think that by 94 that kind of music is gone but here's a little gift for anyone who really loves <laughs> 80s AOR here's a Cliff Magnus album that takes you right back you know it's great and lucky dog is kind of like that too and that was just from oh, a couple years ago
1: at, at this point in my life I thought you know I should I should probably honor my my fans from the solo era Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: and write and record a new album for them which which was lucky dog impetus Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for lucky dog okay and yeah and and i've had some people say hey it's nothing like solo or whatever but you know i did the best i could (laughs) i think they're
0: both great i'm I'm curious if it was (laughs) intentional for you to hearken back to that sound or if that's just what you do and what you like and that's what comes out naturally
1: well, you know, I'm, I'm actually my wife calls me a journeyman mm-hmm. uh, songwriter musician. So, therefore, you know, I've I've written and produced songs for you know Barbra Streisand to Celine Dion to Teddy Pendergrass to you know mm-hmm. Celine uh, e- Evelyn Champagne King to, mm-hmm. to Cheap Trick to to Steve Perry you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. and Starship. So, when it comes to my artistry, that sort of rock thing comes out because I was you know born and raised in love of texas and i grew up on cutting my teeth on zz top so Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. i I love i love to rock there's no question and i can i love to sing that stuff too you know sing that that high stuff and the the harmonies and things like that so you know i guess in my artistry the rock thing is, is you know and also with the avril Lavigne. Mm -hmm. that was that was pretty rocking too it was it was yeah yeah Uh, guitar based rock you know i love that yeah
0: good okay boy you you just name dropped like five of the things i have on my to-do list of (laughs) things to ask you about so let's take them one by one and um Uh another one of your songs that i really like off the lucky dog album is like you go back Love over yeah i do too when i go back over your career so much of this is in conjunction with glenn ballard you just mentioned him a minute ago and where did this partnership come from and was it always intended to be a partnership i don't even know were you two back in the day like struggling but writers musicians in a band together how did this partnership happen
1: yeah you actually had uh two-thirds of, of the hall <laughs> correct there we were both uh as Glenn likes to describe it Coming up through the trenches really? Of the, the warfare of the music business mm-hmm. And um, in short I wrote a song called I'm Your Boyfriend but Just one day Just because Rick James' Super Freak Was a hit at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and, and I was, I'd had a little bit of writer's block And my wife said Well go out there in your studio And play your bass Okay, hmm. so I went out and I played I just started playing my bass and I came up with this riff that was You know influenced by Super Freak. and I wrote the song I'm Your Boyfriend and it was it was given to David Foster mm-hmm, And he mm-hmm. was producing Neil Sedaka's daughter mm-hmm. whose name is Dara, Dara Sedaka mm-hmm. And she cut the song he cut the song on her with her and called it obviously I'm Your Girlfriend In that session I met uh, Among being introduced To David Foster of course I I met his sister James Foster Hmm. And James was um, Just beginning To be, to start working For Quincy Jones In the publishing
2: uh,
1: Company And so James and Quincy Signed me to Quincy Jones Company, Quest As a songwriter And 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 james asked me one day he said Are, is there anyone you want to write with or anybody and i said well just you know how about the best writer over at Music, whoever that is i didn't mm-hmm. even know and she said okay well i'll set you up with glenn ballard he's uh, he's doing really well and he's working for richard perry and he's doing stuff so we wrote uh the first song we wrote was chain reaction and it was cut by Donnie osmond
3: I'm a stranger, but I feel like I know you. My
1: Jay Graydon produced. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, And then, yeah. And then the second song we wrote was a song called Going to Be Special. love what that song, action? Two of a Kind. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Patty Austin. Oh, you look at you, man, you know. Yeah, Quincy produced that for Patty Austin and got to know us. I'll, I'll never forget Quincy calling me on the phone just ecstatic and saying, what a marriage, what a marriage, uh, between Glenn and I, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so we got to spend time in the studio with him, which is always a treat mm-hmm. being around, you know, Quincy in the studio. But yeah, that's that's how it all began, and we just we it, we wrote a lot of stuff, and and you know mm-hmm. got a lot of uh, covers with with Teddy and Thelma Houston and Evelyn King, and mm-hmm. of course Jack Wagner. Yeah, was uh, with Frisco Jones on General mm-hmm. Hospital, and they needed they needed you know uh, okay, a rock star was on General Hospital. Okay, <laughs> go figure that. <it> right. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: didn't uh, that's where Rick Springfield came from too, right?
1: Exactly. Just, yeah. You know, probably a year before. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, Jesse's girl was a hit. That's the thing. So, so there was Frisco Jones, and so we had to, and and again, John, the 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 songs that ended up on Jack's record were songs that I wrote for myself as an artist that helped to you know get me signed to mm. Quincy's company as a writer. Mm. Okay, made me believe it. was was one of those songs and Jack cut that song You know, uh, at some point, Jack's on the show, General He's falling in love with this girl, and they need a ballot. So we quickly cobbled together All I Need and recorded it. And that was, you know, talk about instant promotion. Oh, my gosh. Is that... that... Daily television.
0: I mean, that's the first huge hit you had, right?
1: Yeah, that was yeah. my first, you know, big, big hit record. And I say to this day, Madonna kept me out of the number one spot with "Like a Virgin" that year, (laughs) and and she and she again doubled down and kept me out of the number one spot um, with the song "Vogue" uh, because I had the uh, the hit with Wilson Phillips on "Impulsive." that dang Madonna. <laughs> Freaking yeah.
0: Madonna. Um, okay, let me. I have a question for you about Jack. I uh, put it out to my Patreon uh, supporters that I was going to be talking with you, and one of them, Greg Chittister, who's fantastic, uh, wrote me with a question they wanted me to ask about All I Need. I'm not a muso, I'll tell you right now. So these, I'm not exactly even sure what I'm talking about, but I mean, I kind of know. But I'm going to read this to you anyway. Okay. And uh, he said, uh, he noticed that the bridge is the last part of the song.
3: to believe that you're all I need.
0: He said, I'm not sure there is yeah. another song in existence where the bridge ends a song. and uh, it's he says it seems like it should kick back into the chorus, but the song quickly winds down and ends. Since Cliff co-wrote and produced that song, maybe you could bring it up if you think it's interesting enough, and I do. So what? I mean, tell us about the thinking with that.
1: Well, that's that's a very good question. I love that question. We we wrote the song. You know, uh, again, you know, being journeyman songwriters, your left ear's on the radio and your right ear's on your keyboard, so. Mm -hmm. At the time Phil Collins Against All Odds was a hit. Mm. You know? And it that was an odd formula. Mm. It was not your, your typical pop formula. Mm-hmm. And we had written all I need with those verses in the chorus and then the end had the bridge and and it ended up being about a two and a half minute song. Mm-hmm and recorded and james james foster came to the studio after we finished it and said you know what this song's too short you've got to do something to uh, to lengthen it a bit so we we edited in the the guitar solo for instance mm. to make it a little bit longer yeah and then the chorus happens again after the solo mm-hmm. and then the bridge happened i don't know it was, it was just you know phil kind of gave us license mm. to break out a bit of the tried and true formula.
2: Yeah, and I think
1: that's, that's how we, yeah, we put that at the end. I, and you know, I'm not going to remember, if, uh, if it had anything to do with, uh, what was Jack, what Jack was talking about on the show mm. necessarily. But, okay. Yeah.
0: But still that's fantastic. That's, made that's made so it. interesting that against all odds was the inspiration for even opening your mind, thinking you could do that in a pop song that's where that came yeah from. fantastic
1: yeah and, I love stuff like and that and again yeah thank you Phil Collins for mm-hmm. um, opening that door
0: yeah yeah um you touched on well okay before I get there let me let's finish talking about Jack this being your first huge hit how did you celebrate I'm guessing up by this point up to this point you've been a sounds like you know you're Career is new, but you're getting things placed. People like Ted Nugent are recording your songs. But this has to be like the first big windfall of success. How do you celebrate?
1: Well, there was a big all-I-need party, of course, with Quincy, Glenn and I, and some other luminaries just to celebrate the hit Mm -hmm. with James, of course. But, you know, I think that um, a lot of that week was not eclipsed necessarily but was certainly uh combined into a a fireball of greatness uh in that my my first son was born that same time no way the yeah i had a number two record the same week that my son was born wow so that was that was a pretty great celebratory for you man and and I still have the, the Quest made a plaque for me with that uh, billboard Hot 100 chart mm-hmm. depicting that, number two. Yeah. And Quincy wrote me the nicest note. He said, Cliff, the beauty of the phrase the first time is that it means only once. In mm-hmm. your case, it's only the beginning. Yeah. I'm so proud that you are family. Love Quincy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he is, he's a great writer and <laughs> himself huh
0: yes wow yeah. um okay now let me let me tell you so as i mentioned your name started popping up all over the place after i got turned on to jenny and um at the at the end of last year so we we sometimes invite back former guests to do a deep dive on an album that they worked on maybe they maybe they're the artist maybe they produced it whatever played on it and um, we had brad sunberg on who was an engineer on the Back on the Block album? Yeah, and he came on, and we went track by track, learning all about that album. And that was enough. That was one of those times where I'm like, "What? Cliff Magnus is on this album too? He's everywhere." <laughs> so the places you find love wins a Grammy. It's on this album that's very heralded.
3: Wet. No time to be impressed. Never remember. So much later on. I knew that you were someone I would not forget. Everybody searching, hungry for the glamour. You know, too many hearts are in a rush. But no matter how you try to. You can't explain the places you find love. No, You can't explain No you can feel it all around me. But
0: that song is gorgeous that was you could tell that was like the the man in the mirror moment of this album, you know? This is the big pronouncement. This is the big declaration of love and unity and we're gonna and bring the world together and all this kind of it's so gorgeous. Knowing Quincy, is this how you got involved in this project?
1: Let's see. Quincy decided to make a solo record in nineteen he he was he's was sort of rumbling. Well let me think. Let me think the absolute emphasis you know, Glenn and I had sort of, uh, I don't want to say discovered, but we had stumbled upon Saida Garrett in the, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the musical community, the L.A. community of musicians and singers. And, I don't know, we we had a song that was, the working title was 2001, and that's because in the movie 2001, Rhapsody and Blues played. was mm-hmm. used, mm-hmm. You know, George Gershwin's Rhapsody and Blues. So the, the, the main lick for The Plays You Find Love was da 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 It had a little uh, half-step. Mm-hmm. Okay. da 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 right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminded me of Rhapsody in Blue," so We called it 2001. It was just an easy working title. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, and Glenn just went home one day and we, we came up with the music and, and I wrote a lot of the melody and Glenn went home and just wrote this unbelievable lyric mm-hmm. that I helped him sort of finish, but he had most of it done, I have to say, mm-hmm. by the time he came back the next day, And I don't know, it was just one of those things that we gave, that we had to sing it, and we were sort of fishing for a record deal for her. Mm. And that coincided with Quincy deciding to make a solo record after his work with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And so he, of course, heard it and just, just loved it. And mm-hmm. and then we actually went in the studio with Nathan East and Steve Ferrone oh, and M- Michael Landau and yeah. uh, Umberto Gatica was was engineering. And it was just you know one of those extraordinary times.
3: Yeah.
1: And then there was Quincy was just on the phone a lot during the sessions, and we started to wonder and then everything got placed on hold. it turned out that he was on the phone with Spielberg working out all the the kinks and the, the details uh, for the music for the color purple really <laughs> so yeah so so that that recording of, of back on the block as it ended up being called was put on hold for about three years yeah uh, Work on color purple yeah wow no so way. then when he when he resumed you know, Barbara Streisand was actually sort of the catalyst for re-energizing that song. She ended up recording it, uh, and, and Quincy and Glenn and I were in the studio with her every day for a month mm-hmm. uh, working on it. And he he basically the, the track that we cut, we used for her, and then he used a lot of the elements for that track for his record as well. But in great Quincy fashion, he... He put, you know, Chaka Khan on it and, and of course, Saida and, you know, the Andre Kraut mm-hmm. singers, and then he had some of this all-star choir that was headed by Luther Vandross. Oh, goodness. And, you know, it had James England and Dionne Warwick mm-hmm. and uh, Howard Hewitts and Jennifer Holiday. Mm-hmm.
2: All these <laughs> um, legends.
1: And me. Yeah. I was in there, but I couldn't even hear myself sing because Jennifer Holiday was right behind me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was coming out of my mouth, I couldn't hear at all. It was, uh, it was great. Wow. But yeah, that turned out to be the the Grammy Award that I won that yeah. we all won for that song. But. Yeah, it's, it's just an interesting way that that songs, you know, the lives of songs, you know, totally. take like that, and and even now it's it's you know the the meaning is
0: is very relevant. Yeah, it is. Um, and you have, I mean, when you and Glenn write that song, you're not imagining Andre Crouch's choir playing on a uh, singing on it with you on your little not, song. I mean,
1: oh my gosh, not at all.
0: No, I mean Quincy has a way of just making these things
1: epic, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the way. That's that's who he is. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he comes from you know working with Count Basie and elephants Gerald and Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. I mean he just has that kind of threshold. He does. Or uh, limitless uh, imagination.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What was it like working with Barbara Streisand? Was it uh, was she a diva or was she pleasant or both?
1: She she was absolutely wonderful. I really. I adore her. Yeah. For a month, she yeah. and I have we, we shared the same birthday. So one day oh. I told her that we had the same birthday, and I I've never been looked deep into my eyes as deeply as she looked in my eyes. I'd say <laughs> just some kind of weird spiritual connection. But um, she every day she you know she's I think she's she's a fantastic singer, obviously mm-hmm. phenomenal, and she's also a phenomenal actress. So when she sang every mm-hmm. take that she sang, she made notes while she was singing. Oh wow. Okay. And at the end of the take, she would say, you know, I, I think I can do that word. I a little better. You know, yeah. we ended up doing 29 takes of the lead vocal. Oh. oh my gosh. And then, and making one comp, you know, compilation from those, those tracks. So, and, and Barbara insisted on comping by committee.
2: Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you Okay, the first line is, it was raining, right? Uh-huh. So it was raining, and it was, I was seated, Glenn, Quincy, and the engineer's name was John. And she would say, Cliff, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, I liked uh, raining. Glenn, what do you think? <laughs> you know, every line was like, <laughs> was like that. <laughs> but I, was, I, was, I loved how professionistic, if that's a yeah, word, yeah. she was about it. And and not only that, she had a photographic memory, or I, could, I should say an, an audiophile memory. Mm-hmm. She called me one night after midnight, woke me up, and I answered the phone. Hello? Cliff, it's Barbara. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yeah. She said, you know, you know that, that word was on track 25? I think it's better on track 27. <laughs> okay. All right.
3: wet, No time to be impressed, and I remember so much later on I knew that you were someone I would not forget Everybody's searching, hungry for the glamour You know too many hearts are in a rush no matter how you try to, you can't explain the places you find love I can't explain, but I can feel
1: you
0: know what i'm saying <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. that's great yeah. so
1: now you know some could could take issue with that or think she, mm-hmm. she never acted like a diva once well she market. knows what she wants
0: and she's great at it she's a legend yeah. and she's a perfectionist so
1: yeah course. exactly yeah. okay there you
0: go i yeah. have to ask where is your, where is your grammy where do you keep it
1: oh it's on a bookshelf in our in our living room
0: good okay Okay. was yeah. just curious.
1: And it's, you know, it's 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 moved a few times, so it's broken a few times. So I've used a super glued it a couple. Of times.
0: <laughs> Do you have a and, have you bought a track light or a spotlight that hangs up on the on no. the ceiling that kind of points down on it just when neighbors <laughs> come over and stuff?
1: <laughs> no. Okay. No, I'm You will get to know that I'm not like that. Not like that. I'm not shy, but I'm not real. You're not your show
0: off or anything. Okay. No, no. (laughs) Still, that'd be fun. Now, you touched on something earlier I wanted to ask you about, because I was curious about this, too. It sound you know, all these people are recording your songs, but it sounded like originally you intended to record these songs yourself. Was the idea all along for you to become your own solo artist and sing these songs and have your own career and it got sidetracked by giving these songs to other people and then you building a reputation as a great writer and that just taking off is that what happened
1: yeah pretty much you're you're nailing it let's see i moved like i said from from lubbock texas to los angeles and within you know and just started writing songs uh for myself to be I actually moved out here with the drummer of my band in high school and we weren't mm. be the next, you know, Loggins and Messina. Or something. Yeah. And we came out here with a five song demo that we recorded in our little house in Lubbock There, you know, we went up and down Sunset Boulevard and, and went into every building and looked on the marquee and anything that said something, something music, we would go up there in, in the elevator to that office. And go into their you know reception and say hi (laughs) we're we're, we're songwriters and here's our tape you know Uh and and we give it to the the key receptionist and she would nine times out of ten say thank you very much and throw it right directly Uh in the trash Uh looking at us in the eye okay oh Oh, man (laughs) yeah but uh luckily um a gentleman at polydor records didn't sign us but took us under his wing sort of as a, a mentor and and through that I wrote songs for him. My roommate moved back to Texas shortly after so I kept writing. My first job was, was in the mailroom at Snuff Garrett's mm. music, and he had just started a new company called the Nostalgia Merchants and it was basically Blockbuster before Blockbuster. He had uh, okay. five titles Citizen Kane being one of them And basically, he was, you know, was a mail order rental VHS uh, company, Mm -hmm. and you would, and I would, you know, take hundreds of VHS tapes to the mail, uh, to the post office, and you know, to be mailed out to people who rented the film. Yeah. So, all the time writing songs. So at some point, I wrote a song that I caught the attention of my boss's husband, who was then an A and R. Representative at Scotty Brothers, and he liked it, and he signed me to the solo record deal there at Scotty Brothers. Oh, recorded, that yeah,
0: makes sense because Scotty Brothers is the label of those Stallone movies. Of <laughs> that makes <laughs> so why. much sense, you know. You that's just, where John Cafferty and, the, back and the, then?
1: Yes, that's where it comes yeah, from. And,
0: I get it now. Oh, you're
1: funny, man, John. You're on it. Cause, you know, <laughs> one of their artists was Frank Stone. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's hysterical. That makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they had all that stuff. You know, I was—I um, changed my name to Newton when I was six because I was uh, my my mother married uh, a man with the last name of Newton, so I changed my name to Newton and had it when I. Uh, made that solo record oh. um or those those two singles as cliff newton but right w- before i got married i thought wait a minute i, I want to be who i'm yeah. who i was born as and okay. that was magnus so i changed my name back to magnus and then got married and that's a magnus okay came back
0: so there yeah. are two singles so those... floating around out there under the name cliff newton that are yours that came out on sky yeah just
1: that's, cool. yeah, two songs, uh, one's called The Rest of the Night, and one's called by the same writer who wrote If You Had a Beautiful Body, Would You Hold It Against Me? <laughs> yeah. I thought you had a beautiful body, by uh, Dr. Hook. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dr. Hook, in the medicine yeah. show, or whatever uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, this girl named yeah. Leslie Pearl, she wrote a song called there's nothing so expensive as a woman who's free for the night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was my second great. single. Okay. And both my singles uh, bubbled under up to 101, but they never cracked the 200. So that's the, the Wow, I got to hear those. Plays.
0: I know I'm going to love those. <laughs> that sounds great.
1: Right on. Yeah, they're...
0: So, you know, we talked about your Grammy. Let's talk about the Oscar nomination. Because, okay. um, so first and foremost, I mean, that's a beautiful song, obviously.
3: Just an ordinary day Started out the same old way Then I looked into your eyes and A first for me the day I fall in love.
0: Beethoven second is not a movie that you would think would merit Oscar attention. And yet, The Day I Fall In Love gets an Oscar nomination as best song. You get James Ingram and Dolly Parton to sing this thing. How does, I mean, I don't, I, I hope this makes sense. How did a movie like Beethoven Second, when the filmmakers for Beethoven Second said, I know this is a Beethoven movie, but we have an Oscar caliber song on the soundtrack. How does that happen? Those two things don't usually go together. You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I understand the logic. (laughs) Um, Basically, uh, you know, uh, a song written for a film, this dates back decades in Hollywood history. That, you know, a song that's written specifically for the film warrants uh, at least some attention to at least give it a shot mm. because it's it's technically it's part of the story. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, Moon River is a great example of a song that, that is part of the story right. of um, Sabrina. I think it was Sabrina. Or, no. Uh, it's, whatever. Uh, Breakfast at was. Tiffany's. That's it. Breakfast. Yeah. Um, my god. Yeah. breakfast tiffany's it's a big part of the film it's a big part of the story right mm-hmm. so that that warranted at least a nomination if not you know the win mm-hmm. so same with um the day of all love it was written for the film it was written and it, and it features uh in the middle of the film as a montage of the young teenage daughter falling in love and it plays during that. So it's, it's part of the story. Yeah. So it it doesn't have to be a, you know, an unbelievable film necessarily Uh if the song uh, does the film justice and and helps the story. So that was the, that was the deal with that. Carol Barisager was, was uh, contacted by Ivan Reitman who produced and, and directed the film to write a song. So at the time, James Ingram and I, and Carol were writing songs together for various things. And she, you know, one day we just got together at her house at one in the afternoon, like we always did. And she said, Hey guys, how about we write something for, for this, you know, St. Bernard film. And that's what we did. And it was right there on the spot where we came up with the, you know, the, the leitmotif yeah. intro, lick and then and then carol sort of just right there on the spot said you know she just had this Mm -hmm. sort of triad kind of um classical melody that she just popped out and we just you you know the three of us just rolled with it and then ivan loved it and you know it just snowballed and became you know got nominated because of what i just
0: yeah right right wow So I have a fascination with James Ingram. I love him. I feel like he disappeared for years and then Uh he died suddenly. And I miss him. I had been trying for years to see if he would come on here because i never you don't hear long form interviews with James Ingram. What was he like? Why did he disappear? What's he what was he doing until the end? Do you know? Did you stay in touch with him?
1: I didn't, but I knew that he was—he um, was very popular in Southeast Asia. Oh, and so I know that he spent a lot of time down there touring, and uh, making records and things. That's—that's that's where his bread and butter was. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, why he. Uh, I'm, first of all, he was a lovely person, What's he? unbelievably Good. talented, Good. of course, uh, just an unbelievable singer. I mean, there were, there were times that we when we were writing that you know he was six feet away from me on the microphone and i was able to notice you know that he instead of pronouncing uh the word p as in peter when he would sing he would use an f as in frank in place of peter so it wouldn't pop the microphone really you know that kind of really really professional yeah. shit, you know yes <laughs> i was i was so uh, enchanted with that he was always lovely to me Warner Brothers had a tradition that anytime time one of their films was nominated for Best Picture of the Year, they would have a huge party. And Carol's husband at the time, and still is, is Bob Daly, and he was then the president of Warner Brothers Pictures. Mm-hmm. Okay, So being the president of Warner Pictures, they had a big party for The Fugitive, okay, with mm-hmm. Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. So he sort of dovetailed and kind of combined it for a Beethoven second party because his wife had a song too. So, <laughs> so they had, they had a, a fugitive cake and a, and a Beethoven second cake. No way. But um, the tradition was to go around to all the, the principals and, and have them say a thing or two. So when it came to James, James leaned, up, leaned over to me and he said, always sing your response, don't, don't speak it. So he stood up and instead of saying, you know, thank you to everybody, I'm really honored or whatever, he sang this like one minute thing right off the cuff. Really? Right? Like, wow. Thank you for <laughs> giving me. This. No, that was great. Oh, wow. I can, there's no way I can uh, imitate him, but yeah. Of course.
0: Oh, he's I mean, fantastic. Yeah. I miss him. Uh-huh. I wondered where he went. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, me too. Okay, I got to ask you about a couple other soundtrack moments for you because. Um, okay. Hot Dog the Movie is a stone-cold classic, and you have a couple (laughs) songs on there, my favorite of which is Hold Me, This is early on in your career before Jack Wagner, you know, hits it big. So how do you become this guy that gets songs placed in movies? And I've got one or two more <laughs> kind of along the same lines of Hot Dog to ask you about. How does this happen?
1: Okay. Quickly, um, I did not write those two songs. Top of the hill. Oh, and you just songs, sang them. Hold on. Ah. Or hold on, yeah, yeah, yeah hold on. Hold on. Now, the, the way that happened was, on my original demo that I mentioned earlier that one of the songs Jack Wagner ended up cutting, mm-hmm. it was a four-song demo that I cut in Jay Graydon's studio oh. because I had met David Foster through the Dara Sadaka thing,
2: uh-huh.
1: and I wrote four songs, and on two of the songs, I had hired my friend John Joyce to sing backgrounds, and he brought along Rosemary Butler, okay, mm. to sing backgrounds on my stuff, okay? I was mm-hmm. I was... Completely godsmacked, uh-huh. just because I was a huge fan of Rosemary Butler, and suddenly she's on my demo. Amazing. So she and I start writing songs, and I wrote a couple songs with her that ended up on her album called Rose, okay. and that was produced by Peter Bernstein. Okay, Peter Bernstein and Mark Goldenberg wrote the two songs that are in Hot Dog. Ah. Okay. And they hired me to sing them because I'd met them through Rose. Yeah got it so that's that's the short answer to that
0: okay okay did you um get to go to the movie's premiere or anything like
1: that not for for hot dog i've I've been to a few premieres but not hot dog because yeah i just sang it and it was kind of a cult film it's sort of a small film that just just blew up it It still is it's so much fun i know it's still it's (laughs) it's so corny but so great i I mean the theme, first of all Uh is amazing yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. Shannon Tweed naked isn't so bad either. And, uh, not at all. No,
1: no. Now check this out, John. This is a funny little uh, side to that story. My my two grandmothers seeing the film together in love of Texas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Granny, you got to come see I'm in this movie. (laughs) And and then they see it.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That's the best. Yeah, that's a a story in itself. I
0: believe it. Okay, along the same lines, uh, The Last Starfighter has uh, Mm -hmm. a bunch of your songs, too. I don't know if you wrote these. I I didn't even think about whether you wrote them or not, but Incommunicado, Red Eyes, Never Crossed My Mind. These are great tunes. Yeah. same kind of thing?
1: Uh, again, yeah. Again, written by Craig Saffin and Mark Muller. Oh, okay. yeah. Mark Muller. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Muller and I wrote so many great songs together. He was a, an, another MCA writer while right. I was a, a Quest writer. And we wrote a lot of great songs, and he loved the way I sang our songs. Like, so they hired me to sing those songs. As a matter of fact, Mark hired me to sing the demo of his song, it was nothing at all which um yes yeah yeah so um yeah mark great great songwriter he's currently writing a musical a one-woman musical with the uh if you're familiar with uh downton abbey the head cook mrs patmore yeah Uh uh-huh her name is uh her name is leslie something he's writing a musical or a not a musical but a play with her so he's, really? he's just a great writer no way. way so when yeah.
0: when ann wilson hears nothing at all which might be my yeah. favorite heart song of all by the way you are singing huh. she's listening to your demo and that's what taking her cues on how to sing this song from you <laughs> that's amazing well, I mean, I-
1: I would like to think Anne would do whatever well she of course wants she would of course she would, but it's your
0: yeah. her, her her mind is being prepped by you by you singing that's amazing <laughs>
1: that is amazing <laughs> yeah it is uh, coming from a you know a, a podununk uh, yeah. well not you know logic is not a podunk sound, but you know when yeah. I heard when I heard um Magic Man in my pickup, you know yeah. when I'm outside the laundry mat, I was you know. What, what can you say? So, yeah, yeah. yeah having her sing something I sing was great. That's amazing.
0: Okay, two more. One, okay. uh, There, I don't know if there's another movie uh, that I've seen more times in my life than North Shore, which is uh, uh-huh. this surfing movie, which is just the best from the 80s. And Nia Peoples okay. is in it, and she sings your song, Be My Lover, Not know this?
1: <laughs> I, I I didn't know the, the film, but I oh. the, cut the song. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me tell you, Cliff, stop what you're doing and go watch North Shore because it's one of the greatest okay. 80s movies. It, I mean, we're here talking about classic 80s movies. That's up there, too. I'm kidding, but it is a fantastic movie. Anyway, okay. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so you yeah. moved with me, you uh, worked with Nia Peoples, and that's how that song must have gotten on the soundtrack because she was a star.
1: Actually, I wrote the song with Glenn. You know, we were writing, at that time, we were just writing a song a day, practically, trying mm-hmm. to get cuts with whoever. Yeah. So, you know, NCA, the, the fine folks at NCA, uh, Leeds Levy, Jonathan Stone, Rick Shoemaker, they were fantastic at, at securing covers mm. for whatever song you, you would write. So, you know, we wrote Be My Lover. Uh, just because it was, you know, it was back in that time where, where the synthesizer had just sort of come out And the drum machine was, was you know, really mm-hmm. popular And mm-hmm. so all the songs sort of revolved around those those, those instruments mm-hmm. And it had a sound, it was just, it was that sound, you know very, And um, yeah. I think that Howard Hewitt actually produced um, I, You might be right, because 20... I think they were married at the time, right? Or at least Yeah, together. okay, yeah Yeah so. Exactly. So he produced. The, he actually produced. The, I didn't. I never met him. Oh, but yeah. I was very okay. I was very proud that she that she cut the song, Of course. Yeah. I didn't know what the film was. North Shore.
0: North Shore. Awesome. It's a great surf movie.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. One more. You got to tell us about uh, giving. I will survive to Cheap Trick for the Gladiator soundtrack.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, um, that that was a moment. So let's see. Um, I had met Michael Gilbeck was the music supervisor on that film. Michael was the music supervisor on Top Gun and Footloose.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I met him because of a song that I wrote with Martin Page called "One Way Out." Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good lonely- morning. One Way Out And again We wrote that song Simply because Living on a Prayer Was a big hit And we wanted to Ride a rocker Like Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer mm-hmm. So Martin and I Wrote One Way Out And I I, You know I'm I'm gonna be blanking On how it got To Michael Dilbeck That he loved it so much So he He had What was the first song That Mr. Big Ever cut Okay One Way Out mm-hmm. Okay and Andy Johns produced it. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was in the studio with Andy Johns and Mr. Big doing One Way Out. That mm-hmm. was a moment. Wow. But that that led to Michael being so great about putting my songs in films because he knew that I could sing like that. Mm-hmm. And if he couldn't, you know, if it was a small film and couldn't afford a Bon Jovi sync, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. He would have me write something for a fraction of the price mm-hmm. and put it in the film. Okay, there was a, song, a film called *Race for Glory*. Yep, that I had that he put a song in. Let it ride. I think it was called. And Robin Williams was was going to the the horse races. Oh, you know, um, uh,
0: Richard Dreyfuss. You have a song on Let it ride.
1: Well, I wrote one, but it didn't make it. So oh, okay. Him, but that was okay. one of the ones. That was one of the ones he's working on. Huh. And so then, yeah. You know, so then Gladiator comes along, and so I wrote I'll Survive with Steve Kipner, and. We actually had one of our favorite demo singers, Bernie Barlow, sing the demo. Mm. And Cheap Trick cut the song. Uh, Mark Tanner produced it. And yeah, I mean, it it was featured in a montage scene where, you know, one of the main characters is is really learning to to box. And I I love this. I was good friends with with the the bodybuilder Franco Columbu. Okay. So <laughs> I vaguely Franco remember was, that name. Wild Fra- Franco was our next door neighbor for a while, my huh. wife and I, and he he was Mister Olympia for under two hundred pounds the same year that Arnold was for over two hundred. No way. Okay, Mister Olympia and Mister Universe, uh huh, both. So they became, uh, you know, the best of friends, and he was our next door neighbor, but he also was a boxer, and and just by happenstance. Uh, I took Franco to the premiere of Gladiator and he just was forward with the realism of the realism really? captured with the, the boxing sequences. Yeah. yeah. So that's a legit film, yeah. It really is
0: cool. a legit film. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, We're talking about the early yeah.
0: Gladiator, not the Russell Crowe Gladiator, by the way. This Not one. the Russell Crowe, yeah. yeah the, no, the that movie is legit. Novel. I like it a lot. And uh, just for anyone who's curious, One Way Out is on the Caddyshack 2 soundtrack in case you didn't know.
1: It is. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Thank I, you, Michael
0: Gilbert. <laughs> that's right. I was going to ask you about Martin Page. I've had him on here. So oh, um, fantastic. yeah, I've gotten kind of friendly with him. What he, you two make a lot of sense. I could see you two having kind of very similar careers. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. writers for hire, always bringing quality, some hits, some album tracks, but always has, a, has like a great reputation. How well do you know Martin? Do you work closely with him still or was that just a one-off?
1: No, we wrote um, several songs. We wrote a song, one of my favorite songs ever that we wrote, uh, um, my life was a song called The Children That Starship oh. Cuts. Uh, Peter Peter Wolf producing. It was on the. that um, him on here too. Yeah. What uh, What album is that? It was called No uh, Protection. It had no Protection. A, yep. Yeah, yeah. It had that um, Diane Warren hit on it. Um, uh, but yeah, we. we yeah. Yeah. What, what Nothing's gonna that? stop Let's us see. now. No. That's it. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. that's the one And that was that was, you know, Martin. I mean, we, we didn't work a lot together. Just just because I don't who knows? I mean uh. we just sort of, you know, went different directions whatever. You're right. I mean we had a, a blast riding. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I've laughed more really in writing sessions than with Martin. Yeah. I mean yeah. he just you know, he's he's just, this British, you know, John Cleese kind of humor. That's, right. yeah. <laughs> and, and, That's it. Oh my God, he's a good dude. And we would just laugh all day long. Yeah, so that was super fun.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I was kind of saving Avril till the end. That has to have transformed your life in a lot of ways. Um, how did this project even come to you? Because she's she's not anything, you know. She, I don't, I don't even. Forgive me for saying this. I hope this isn't too insensitive of a thing to say or whatever. It, I, I always assumed she was a little even manufactured. Like let's let's get a young girl who can sing, put her in these clothes, make her look like she likes to skate, likes punk rock, and put her out there and uh, turn her into a star. And it worked, you know. But I like how did this project even come to you?
1: At the time, I was in. I was a or um, a, a, a writer, staff writer for EMI, or not a staff writer. They were published. But they had my publishing, EMI, publishing, and their New York representative's name is Paul Morgan at the time. So a guy named Peter Zugo, who had worked a lot with Celine Dion, had a studio in in New York, and he had written a song that was meant to be a faith hill song. Okay, mm. you know, just a faith and. Mm-hmm. and and he, and he hired Avril to sing the demo because Avril had been, she, Avril had won a contest in Canada and the prize, the songwriting prize that she won was to sing solo uh, at a Sinaya Twain concert in front of a Sinaya Twain, uh, Twain wow. audience. Wow. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. So she won, she won that. She, she got up and sang, I don't know, a Faith Hill song or something for that audience because Team, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And it caught the attention of a local manager Named Cliff Fabry okay? mm-hmm. So Cliff Signs her and takes her to New York To do a songwriting trip And one of the things They did was sing this demo For Peter Zizzo. And, and as she's singing this demo Peter calls L.A. Reed And says you've got to get down here right now To hear this girl sing mm-hmm. So L.A. Reed comes down And basically signs her on the spot To a record deal Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. All the while signing her to a Faith Hill artist deal, okay. Mm-hmm. So then Paul Morgan calls me and says, "Hey, there's this artist coming out to LA to write, and I'd like you to write with her. Her name is Evelyn." I said, "That's a really cool name. I like that." He said, "Yeah, just, just uh, yeah, just write with her because he knew I could write anything, and and he didn't even tell me he didn't really use the word Faith Hill." Oh, wow. So, yeah. So this is a great story, John. So, so. I opened the door in my studio at the designated time and Abra walks in and immediately burst into tears. Okay. Wow. And being a you know, a journeyman, as mm-hmm. I've mentioned before, I thought, What's in my toolbox for this? And so I said, What what what's the matter? What's, why are you crying? What's the matter? She said, They they want me to be Faith Hill I said, What do you mean? they said, Well she said that I just came from a writing session. And we wrote this song, you know, based on, like, a Faith Hill kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, well, what do you, what do you want to do? And she mm-hmm. said, well, I said, what do you like? And she said, well, I, I like the Goo Goo Dolls, and I like the one that's set. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, cool, okay, well, let's try this. And so I just, on the spot, came up with this guitarist and that ended up being the song Unwanted from her mm-hmm. first record. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after we, you know, after I completely, you know, broke out the the Marshall and like pumped it up, mm-hmm. she came back the next day to hear the finished product and had this ear to ear grin nice. and her her uh, her manager. I said, "So what do you think?" And she she was just she could she was speechless. And he said, "Well, I love it, but the label's gonna hate it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, well. And to her credit, Avril went into LA Reed and said, "This is what I want to do." Mm-hmm. And so, and to his credit, he, he let her do it. So that 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 is clearly it. It was it was all uh, a sort of snowball of talent and you know work. Interesting. Um, yeah, it wasn't a manufactured thing at all. So
0: it, it sounds really
1: like it. a really talented singer, really a spunky young girl from a small town canada and she, you know yeah. instantly got a lot of uh, skater swag just just because the label you know yeah. the artist development department put it together and sure you know well it worked yeah.
0: this makes it sound like i was an avid trl watcher i wasn't but i remember seeing tr carson Daly on trl introducing her one day and saying You know, here we've got this new singer. Her name's Avril Lavigne. I know that's kind of a weird name, but I really think this girl's gonna turn into something. And I, and then I think, you know, one of the first hits or whatever came. The video came on, and I was like, really, this is where we're going. And but she ended up getting huge and losing grip. Which is my favorite song off that album. Is one of yours. So, again, going back to kind of the transformations in people's lives, how did the success of Avril Lavigne, I mean, that has to, uh, going up there, that's bigger than Jack Wagner. How did this become, you know, how did this change your life, this level of success?
1: I, You know, I'm not sure. I mean, of course it changed our lives, uh, my family's life. Uh, It still, to this day, has, you know, been very... Uh, beneficial um, for our life uh, in, in so many ways. You just never know, is, yeah. the, is the the point, is that yeah. you never know. Like, complicated, you know, The Matrix, Lauren Graham and Scott, <laughs> The Matrix, they wrote oh, um, sure, sure, complicated sure. and yeah, yeah, and uh, Skater Boy and I'm with you. And, you know, after we wrote Unwanted and Mobile and My World. And I let I let Avril really kind of uh, go with what she wanted to talk about, because what did I know about being a 16-year-old girl, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time? So I just, you know, I, I corrected her grammar here and there and made it a little more songwritery, But but it, those are her ideas. Mm. And then she went and wrote with the, Ma- the Matrix, and then she came back, and I had, a, I had MTV on, and Puddle of Mud was doing yeah. – um, what song was that? Yeah, what was uh, the name of
0: that? Dirty or It was like one word. What was, oh, the Puddle of Mud song. Control. C- control. control? Was that it? Okay. Yeah, Control.
1: Okay. That, was, that was playing and Amber walks in and she's like, I want to do that oh and so so that's where losing grip again we just you know, that makes know sense. Just started playing guitar and that's one thing love to another
0: it sounds but, um, i can totally hear that now it sounds kind of like one of those darker grungier songs from the 90s that someone like stained would have done or something like that that makes so much sense
1: yeah totally stained puddle of mud yeah that's yeah, that's it yeah, yep. Apart, whatever. Yeah, it was that is that, you know, even drive uh, incubus, you know, just, uh-huh. you know the, yes. the kind of small verse and he's chorus right. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get it. But, okay. Yeah. Well look, there's I mean, I there's still like so many things I want to ask you about. Let me throw some names and you tell you pick the ones that have great stories. I mean, there's there's Jermaine Jackson, there's uh Wilson Phillips who you touched on earlier, there's Steve Perry, there's uh Hanson I mean there's tons like okay I want to ask you about Jude but is let's let's start with Jude
3: All day so I could turn you on And i hate it when you look away when I was inside And slowly getting to it It didn't help a lot and you would turn around And I was on the top and you would say Baby, you can do it I'm sorry now
0: No one is really beautiful. I love Jude. He kind of completely disappeared. I uh, that first album, No One Is Really Beautiful, is an album that we, me and my friends, kind of passed around to each other there for a while. You're on there somewhere, is that right? Did you produce it?
1: Yeah, I produced and um, mainly produced. Uh, Jude was Jude was a d- very difficult project. Really, and and I'll I'll just say in 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 a nutshell. It would be, um, how about this, Cliff to Jude, how about this, Jude to Cliff. Okay, fine, but let's try this, and let's try this, and let's hire this musician who only has a rope for a strap mm. to play it and make it really bad, because I don't want it to be polished and make it really mm. bad, mm. and then finally, you know that, that original idea you had? Let's do that. Okay? Uh-huh. So 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 what, what took, you know, six months, could have taken six weeks, yeah. but... We had to do that dog and pony. Oh, that's so too bad. That was bad. That Jermaine uh, was, that was easy. Um, there's a rumor, not a rumor, uh, Quincy wanted a duet for Michael. Okay. Uh, for, uh, I guess, Bad. And it was rumored that he wanted to use Barbara Streisand. So so Steve Kippner and Peter Beckett from the band Player mm-hmm. and I wrote. Song called Make It Easy on Love. Mm -hmm. Okay.
3: I need some good advice. I'm in love, but I'm paying the price. I don't know why she does those things that make me crazy. I'm so confused is love so complicated listen my good friend if you let it breathe if you give her some room it could work out in the end you've gotta let love run free nobody knows that better than me
1: And, and we wrote it as a duet. And we actually had the, the girl who, who sang the, the female vocal part uh, actually had her saying,
3: Michael, my old friend. You know,
1: because we just knew it was going to be Bobby Streisand. We just had uh-huh. stars in our eyes. Well, to be short, Michael did not cut the song. Mm-hmm. But Janine did with Nikki Howard, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. And and that song was cut by four producers, okay, before Clive was was happy with it. And it was uh, to the uh, to the credit of Rick Knowles, who was the last producer on it, to ask Clive who, you know, let's get the songwriters in who did who did the demo because so he keeps going back to the demo, let's get them in here to, mm-hmm. to make this record too. So so we all made it together. That was no No way.
0: Um, that was another one yeah. of those times. So get this. I, I uh, a- again after discovering Jenny and then uh, the back on the block and everything around that same time where this was another instance where your name was popping up everywhere. I bought the "Don't Take It Personal" album at a thrift store for a dollar at a Goodwill,
3: yeah.
0: and I was listening to it, checking out the credits, and there's your name again. And that was right in that pocket <laughs> of time where you were popping up all over the place for me. So anyway, that oh, uh, that's another one of these times. Anyway, yeah,
1: that was that was nineteen eighty seven. I remember because. My son was kidding and yeah, I remember that. That was okay. fun. And Wilson Phillips, yeah, Wilson Phillips was this is the best story. Um Steve Kitner and I uh, Steve came to this you know for writing system one day and he said, Hey, this disco artist in Japan named Seiko needs a song, okay? Mm-hmm. And I had just been to my brother's wedding in Long Island and come up with an idea. You mm-hmm. know. And so we wrote this disco song, Four on the Floor, and we had Bernie sing it. And, you know, it was impulsive, but it was disco. Mm-hmm. And we sent it, and, you know, Seiko did not cut it. Okay. So mm-hmm. then, I don't know, Glenn came over one day again for a writing session for either Planet for a Year, you know, one of our solo sessions. Mm-hmm. And he said, Hey, I'm, I'm producing, you know, the, the daughters of Brian Wilson and, and John Phillips, and they need a song for Wendy. Okay. Connor's yeah. got a couple songs and Wendy uh sorry, Carney has a couple songs, but Wendy needs a song. What do you got? And I said, Well I have this this song it's, it's in a disco format right now, but I can redo it, you know, and mm-hmm. I played it for him and again to his credit, to Glenn's credit, he said, That is a great song. Mm-hmm. But, you know, rec- record it just think of the Eagles, you know, and Harmony mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I re demo and gave it to Wilson Phillips, and they loved it, and they cut that song. No way. No way.
0: I yeah. thought of one more that I have to ask you about. Lisa Marie Presley, okay. Lights Out. Mm-hmm. I worked at uh, Tower. I worked uh, for Tower Records in their corporate offices at that time. Mm-hmm. I was in marketing. Wow. And so there were just CDs. You know, we got all the free CDs and concert tickets we'd ever want. And that album came out while I worked there. And so everybody had you know copies of her new album, which was actually pretty good. It was uh, kind of... Out of nowhere, it's like, what? Lisa Marie Presley is gonna try and be a singer now? She was actually really good, and Lights Out is probably the best song on that album. This is in the same year, I think, as Avril. So how is this, how are you becoming this guy who's writing songs with young, in their music careers, ingenues that are trying to kind of, you know, launch careers? Um, Kelly Clarkson, too, actually, I should say, is around the same time.
1: Yeah, Um, Glenn, Glenn Ballard had uh, a label with capital called Zava, Mm -hmm. and he signed Lisa Marie as an artist, wrote a couple of songs with her and then called me and said, Hey, can you, can you write some songs with Lisa Marie Presley? I'm like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she comes over and it was, you know, it was a little funny a little strange at first because she wasn't sure what she wanted to do. And quite honestly, couldn't quite sing yet.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. She was, she was Lisa Marie Presley, but she couldn't really match tone yeah. that well. So what we do, Like we'd write the song and then, I would sing it, and I put my voice in her left ear and her voice in her right ear so she could match me. Oh. And she she learned, because it's in her blood, she learned very quickly that she just hadn't been much into music her whole life, and I think it's because her dad was, you know, she, she just didn't know how to fill those shoes. Yeah. But she really had a lot to say. So we wrote 21 songs for that record. Mm. Uh, All she and I, we spent a good two years together almost every day we were both from the south so we had a lot of laughs mm-hmm. and very very cool shit okay mm-hmm. I just yeah I just lovely Lisa Marie and yeah we wrote some really cool stuff I loved when she wrote so important
2: mm-hmm. that
1: she was opening up about you know why why aren't it paying attention to me it's been or standing one and not mm-hmm. being able to get in and yeah. you know lights out and originally it was called Memphis you know mm-hmm. uh, the day the lights went out in Memphis. Yep, yep. And she, she literally in the and noticed that between her mom and dad, there was an empty space for her grave.
2: Oh, that's right. right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, so she put that into the lyrics. That's that right. Was very cool. Huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: yeah. so, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that, that's, and then, you know, and that it just took a while because uh, Glenn, uh, finished the record and then you know Gary Gersh stepped down at Capitol and Andy Slater took over so Andy Slater wanted to redo the entire record mm. himself so that took another year so that's when I you know, actually was finished a year before Adam. oh no so way that. huh yeah. yeah so that's one of that didn't really okay. timed out very well Okay. and then yeah after Adam came out I, I needed a manager so I, so I started working with Olivia Fahlberg and we had meetings with Steve Ferreira uh, at J Records And About Kelly This is You know Yeah And Just Kind of just like You know Squeeze me in there Yeah And I cut low And Justin playing, Which are not songs i would written But they You know Back in those heady American days, They really yeah. to get Albums out Fast yep. Before they went On the road Right Yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. So we cut those songs In a matter of weeks
0: Amazing great. Amazing Yeah Well look I could keep you For another hour But I these are i love these stories and i'm before we go is there what is your favorite story what's your favorite moment or memory or whatever the thing that you sit back and you're like i cannot you wouldn't believe this interaction i had or this phone call i got or this whatever it is the the time i heard it on the radio or the the royalty check whatever it is what's your story that you go to wow that's
1: a big question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it too big?
1: <laughs> I'm just that's always afraid enough. that
0: I'm asking all these things, but the per- there's actually a really great question that's out there, but I didn't ask the right question to spark it, you know? Oh,
1: of course. And, and you're doing a phenomenal job. Doug. Oh, thank I you, mean, Cliff. Just, just your enthusiasm and your knowledge I and mean, your homework.
0: Well, it's easy. You've uh, done I mean, a lot
1: it's, of it's, stuff that I love, <laughs> a lot of it. Well, I... I appreciate it. And I appreciate you knowing and, and being articulate because it, it really, this, this interview, this whole hour has gone by so fast. Yeah. It's not, Thank you. It's more than an hour at this point. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Stories. You know, I've told a lot of stories about all the, you know, a lot of these people I've worked with, and, um, you know, working with Quincy, of course, was uh, mm-hmm. anytime I was around him, I, I, I was, I was reminded why I do what I did because yeah. he was, that inspirational. He would always. He was never in a bad mood. He was. Mm-hmm. He was always just inspirational about what we were all headed to do, and and that was. It was always great being around Good. that kind of energy. I believe it. And then, of course, Swanson was was mm-hmm. was very spiritual in a way. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. I mean, I you know I was in a band with Les Dudek uh, back when I was Newton, and we rehearsed. While he was dating Cher, we, we rehearsed at her house. Whoa! You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I met her, and, and she was cool. And she yeah. was like a real, just like a cool chick, too. Yeah. You know, I just, I've had so many, I've just, I've been, extremely you've been blessed. blessed. You have. And my all my dreams have come true. So I really, you know, I have to tell stories, you know, like you said, all that right. long. So yeah. okay. I think the main story is that I'm, I'm very blessed and I'm, I'm very happy to have done what I've done. And you've done yeah. so
0: much good work. And I'm glad that you've gotten, you know, compensated both from respect from your peers and financially in any other way because you deserve it. Because you're one of the great songwriters. Thank you, Cliff, for doing this. Let me, I wanted to ask you one other thing, and I hope this isn't too personal. I was watching a video of you, and it looks like you've got some palsy or something on your face. Was that, is that a touchy subject?
1: No, not at all. Um, it's not palsy. It's a, I actually have a tumor on my facial nerve. Oh. Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know. That you have a facial nerve, which is a cranial nerve. You have 12 cranial nerves. Hmm. And one of them, the seventh one, is your facial nerve. And that controls all your muscle movement in your face, which includes your smile. Yeah. And yeah, and, and just uh, a very rare tum- tumor uh, became on, on the facial nerve and took it out. And so, yeah, I can't, that, that part of my face doesn't work. So I've, had to you know compensate over the years to to you know be able to speak be able to sing be able yeah. To whatever yeah and i have a very supportive family to get through it but yeah but i'm i'm alive it was it was a nasty tumor and and it's, it's gone that was back in 2000 early 2000s oh so yeah wow
2: Thanks so, for
1: asking. I mean, Well, yeah, sure
0: i mean you're okay was it life-threatening is it could it still be or are you totally fine now
1: well, I'm totally fine now. I mean, I guess it could have been if I'd let it go, but I had great doctors Good. Um, who took care of it. But, yeah, it was it was undiagnosed for a long time, so I didn't know what it was. Um, but I continued to work with great people like Dina yeah. Menzel and, and and Kelly and, you know, Cara DeGuardi and Vanessa Ambrose. You know, I worked with so many great people who, who just – you know didn't even notice no or did I just look the other way or didn't obviously didn't say anything or whatever and, and you know I, I, again I've just been blessed good keep going. And yeah it's yeah. interesting
0: because I I listened to Lucky Dog ages ago mm-hmm. before I saw a video of you on YouTube or something giving an internet giving an interview this was I don't know a, a, probably the same time I went down that rabbit hole from last year, piecing <laughs> all these things together. And I noticed mm-hmm. the, I noticed the, whatever you want to call it. And I just thought i never, you can't hear any of this in his singing voice. You wouldn't know it on Lucky Dog or anything like that. So mm-hmm. you've That's been able <laughs> to overcome it amazingly. Good for you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's it, I can't say it's been easy, but uh, yeah. it's what I love to do. And so I just do it because yeah. I'm a Taurus too. So I'm yeah. stubborn as hell. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not going to let it get me down. <laughs>
2: and, I, and,
1: I'll, and I just love what I do so much that I, you know, I don't want to do anything else. So, you know, yeah, that's that's my lot. And, and again, like I said, I have a very supportive family who's good. helped me through it. And yeah, thanks for Good encouragement.
0: Well, good. Yeah. Uh, Cliff, you're, you're amazing. You're amazing at what you do. So thank you for talking well, with me. And I'm so glad I got the chance to tell you that. Because you've been on my mind so heavily for the last year or more. I mean, obviously, I've known who you are for a long time. But this past year, I've just gone deep in Cliff Magnus territory. And uh, I'm so grateful that I did. So thanks for
1: all you've done. Well, th- thank you, John. I appreciate it. Not, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Same. So, uh, same. Hopefully, hopefully, we can meet one day and have a beer or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it, was, yeah, it sounds fantastic. Good.
0: All right. There you have it, Cliff Magnus. I love that guy, and I love that music. Uh, I wanted to close it out with one more of his solo tunes. This is Ain't No Way, and this is off of the Lucky Dog album. So again, get on Spotify and just look up. There's only two of them, but they're both so good. Cliff Magnus' solo and Cliff Magnus' Lucky Dog. And then do a deep dive into all the other stuff he's written. We only scratched the surface on here. We got to some of the fun stuff, though. Now, it's the end of the year. Yann and I are going to be recording our uh, year-end recap here soon so be thinking about what episodes have been your favorites this year there's been a lot of good ones and let us know because we're gonna be doing a countdown of those um, we may have a bonus deep dive coming out later this week hopefully we'll see um, there's a lot going on in my life my dad is unfortunately in the hospital dying of covid at the moment hopefully he's gonna get better we'll see it we'll see it's still kind of touch and go with all of that right now so anyway there's a lot going on it's been a crazy year but it's over. And uh, soon and hopefully next year will be better. Uh, Our guest next week is a member of maybe one of the most influential rock bands of the last 35 years and I don't know if they get enough credit for this but this band was major. This is a member of that band so you're gonna want to come back and hear that one next week. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan, the Man Mokavich, my right-hand man, for all that you do. Thanks, buddy. I'm so glad we get to do this together. And you guys can find our page on Facebook. You can like us on there. You can send us a message, or you can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at The Hustle Pod. Okay? We love you all. Thank you for all your support this year.